Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Let's face it, retirement planning is something that most of us just don't pay enough attention to. But really, what could be more important? You may remember uh, hearing me talk with Roger Allen Friedman on a recent show. He's a chartered retirement planning counselor. And Roger has a new special report out. It's titled The Beneficiary Minefield, 19 Retirement Account Mistakes You Must Avoid. Frankly, this is a must-read for everyone with an IRA or any other type of retirement account. And Roger's special report is chock-full of information to consider for your retirement planning. Read it. Study and become educated about what might be the most important topic for your future and your family's future. Find this helpful new special report online at rogeronretirement.com slash shop. That's R-O-D-G-E-R on retirement.com dash shop. Now let's get on with the program. Contrary to what some folks may tell you, it is possible to retrain your brain at any age. The sobering news, it will take some time and it won't happen overnight. But the good news, my guest, Hall of Fame motivational speaker, Doug Dvorak, encourages that five simple steps are all you need sometimes. And he goes on, you have to be diligent about working on them and actually putting them to use. But that rings true for anything genuinely worthwhile, doesn't it? And Doug is here to talk about each of his five steps and how you and I can implement them to retrain our brains and to improve our attitude from predominantly negative to predominantly positive, from fearful to cheerful, confident of an ultimately positive outcome, regardless of the immediate challenge. And Doug Dvorak is a Hall of Fame motivational speaker and also is part of the international who's who of professional speaking. He's trained and impacted more than 500,000 folks across all 50 states and in over 107 countries on five continents. And his research-based training sessions, uh, base training sessions have earned him as clients some of the biggest corporations and nonprofits in the world. And he's a graduate of the Players Workshop of Chicago's Second City. They always make me laugh. They're one of the most prestigious <laughs> improvisational comedy schools on the globe. And so we can expect humor in his presentations. And he's also a former successful sales and marketing executive in the information technology industry. And so he's also a sales coach and a sales trainer. And hello, Doug Dvorak. Great to have you with us today. Lighten us up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Roy. And it's a high honor and privilege to be featured on your radio show. And thank you for the good work that you're doing day in, day out, bringing uh, thought-provoking topics and speakers to your audience. So well, thanks, I just wanted to thank you and thank your audience. But well, I think you, you captured it first. 
was that me you introduced? That was that was <laughs> probably way too long, but but it's a high honor and privilege to be here. And I think that uh, you know five steps to improve your attitude or retrain your brain. Uh, the velocity with which we are living and working today is highly, highly unnatural, and I believe it detracts from uh, uh, truly connecting with people. The average American spends over six and a half hours in front of a screen each and every day, a laptop, a desktop, a a smartphone, or a tablet. That's highly unnatural. That's highly unnatural. Amen. and because of that, I think we've we've lost some of our ability to connect with people and to really enjoy what a, a well-lived, well-defined life is. And some other research I've come across in the Harvard Business Review, back in the 70s, we used to get on average of 500 messages each and every day, radio, TV, print billboards yeah. now fast forward to the digital revenue revolution the tsunami of <laughs> robocalls texts emails we get on average of 3000 to 5000 messages each and every day yeah the mind is like you also point out the downside that uh, what back in the 50s you say we used to laugh uh, 18 minutes a day and now in 2014 the average american only laughed like Six minutes a day. <laughs> Back in the 50s, we used to laugh 16 to 18 minutes a day. And if you looked at the state of comedy back then, some of the TV shows, um, yeah. Sid Caesar, um, Jackie Gleason, it was comedy that wasn't Uncle directed. Milton. You remember Uncle Milton Burl? Uncle Milton Burl. I love <laughs> Uncle Milty. Yeah. And that was that was. Fun, situational humor with no profanity, yeah. uh, sex, violence. It was yeah. humor that built up and didn't tear down. Fast forward to today, 2017, we laugh less than six minutes a day, and normally it's at the expense of someone else. Yeah, and I yeah. think all those... It's so filthy, too. <laughs> you go to a comedy club or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then these reality TV shows. Yeah. My point is the mind and the soul is like the mouth. It can only hold so much. Yeah. And the velocity with which we're living and having to work, it, it can really have an adverse effect on our attitude. Yeah. So I believe that there are five steps to improving your attitude or retraining your brain. And it is possible to improve your attitude, but it's going to take a little time. It's not going to happen overnight. But, you know, with the right attitude, you can really relieve stress. And stress is the silent killer. Number one, the first step is really to believe in yourself. Have a passion for your avocation, not your vocation. What is it that you like to do relative to work? Because you probably do it 80% of your time. So do something that's meaningful to yourself. And it doesn't mean if you're in middle age, be that 40, 50, 60, you can have a second half. Yeah. <laughs> a seventh, eighth, and ninth inning to reinvent yourself, not only with positive thinking, 
But what really gets you out of bed at night, aside from good health, your 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 God, whoever that is, and your family? Yeah. Believe in yourself. But what turns you on, and how can you turn that vocation into an avocation because you do it so much? Yeah. But the first step is really to believe in yourself and reinvent your attitude, and that's really going to help you to to really amp up your your positive self-confidence and believe in yourself first. Yeah. Um, the That's second is really... Than done. You know, how do we get over this uh, feeling at middle age that our best years are behind us and we're so caught up in the daily rat race and, uh, you know, it's just all downhill from here. And then we think, well, when we retire, it'll be great. And then when we retire, we, we don't have anything to... <laughs> turn to and we just sort of drift away so how do you really believe in yourself yeah well i think it 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 comes from getting outside of oneself and connecting with something that is really meaningful to you be it um charity work your your place of worship community working with youth there's so many people in need and once you get outside of yourself you know we always think that our problems are the biggest problems on the planet but when you really get outside of oneself and you volunteer and you see the challenges that families and 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 communities are having they're crying out for good people and once you connect to that something greater than yourself you believe in yourself just by default. Yeah, and it's so great when you are connected to someone else and that someone else makes progress and uh, overcomes a challenge or something. It, it it feels so warm inside like you're overcoming challenges at the same time and you, you forgot about your own problems for a while while you were connected exactly. to someone else. Well, and when you can see the the good works that you do to believe in yourself, but to get out of oneself, that's when growth, community, connection, step away from the the TV screen, the laptop, the smartphone. It's about people, human-to-human connections, and seeing them grow and helping them. Amen. There's no greater or higher calling. So that's what I would uh, submit to you and your audience that, hey, you know, um, I don't want to go back to high school. I, I saw all the anxieties and challenges. You know, I'm I'm very happy to be in at 55 in middle age and, and doing something that I love and helping people, uh, hopefully like I am on this radio show. But I, I say believe in yourself. Get outside of oneself. But but go elsewhere if yeah, you're stressed that, out. Does that mean we're supposed to uh, pull up stakes, sell our possessions, and wind up on a beach in Tahiti? <laughs> what do you no, mean you know, if you're, it, it, there's something. It, there's no such thing as a geographical cure. No, I think though you, you you've got to you've got to take inventory of yourself. But if if you're in a stressful job. Think of some alternatives, a game plan to go elsewhere for maybe a little less money, but a heck of a lot more satisfaction. If you've got high blood pressure, there are things, you know, we're not victims of circumstances. Sometimes we are. We let ourselves be victims of circumstances, basically. We do. The unfortunate thing, Roy, is most people in this country plan their vacations better than they plan their lives. <laughs> yeah. So if you're stressed out, you're a little overweight, 
get a Fitbit, walk around, go elsewhere, get outside of the, you know, you get home from work and sit down with a bag of Fritos and watch TV for four hours. <laughs> Take a walk, get active. You know, I've and leave that never met at home once in a while. <laughs> exactly. It's not exactly. So that's what I mean by number two, going elsewhere. Okay. You know, consider meditation, consider a walk with your spouse, your grandkids, your children, maybe volunteer at a cause that's go elsewhere. That's going to help you. Yeah. Um, and then number three, that's going to help you re-energize and um, refuel not only the the mind and the emotions and the spirit, but physically re-energizing, refueling, taking better care of oneself. Not only mental, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Watch what we put in our mind, our body, and our soul and spirit. Well, it also seems so obvious that we need a good night's sleep, and we should take time out each day for three relaxed, nutritious meals. Yet so many of us fail to get enough sleep, and we skip meals or eat on the run. How does failure of to sleep and eat negatively impact our brains? <laughs> or how does you know? I'm not a, 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 a doctor or PhD on, on nutrition or an MD, but I can tell you that from my research, we are sleep deprived, yeah. and that most human beings need seven to nine hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, Put the cell phone away an hour before you sleep. Don't watch the violent news an hour before you sleep. I don't have a TV in my bedroom. Um, I read before I go to sleep, but I, I no caffeine after 2 p.m. Yeah. And those little things, but to your point, three well-balanced meals, enough sleep, exercise a two to four times a week. You don't have to run a marathon, but, you know, just, uh, I like this saying, a little bit a lot rather than a lot a little bit. I like that. <laughs> so well, you can't move. turn the Queen Mary around in the Chicago River, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you can, but you can do a little bit a lot. <laughs> Exactly, for St. Patrick's yeah. Day. But, you know, that's how we can re-energize and refuel ourselves, which is the third point. And then, you know, the fourth is identifying those positive and negative events, circumstances, people. And yeah. there's a lot of drama out there and a lot of individuals that love drama. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm any better than, and I'm not saying that I'm going to extricate myself from all drama and stress. But there are some people that are life suckers of <laughs> energy and vibe. All know I want to be around positive people yeah. that are life-inspiring, life-affirming, not Debbie the Downer. Yeah. doesn't mean right. that I can't can't help someone that might have a temporary stressor that has yeah. impacted their lives. I, I understand like you that. Say, and it's I... also important that we uh, identify in our own thinking when we're thinking positive and when we're thinking negative thoughts, because uh, once you start paying attention to that, then you can uh, try to, once you know about it, you can start managing to try to put the positive in and, and suppress those negative thoughts if you, if you know you're having them all the time and why you're having them. But uh, Right, and, and, you know, because of the, the velocity which we, we work and live, sometimes, because I'm not a 
therapist, sometimes we need some professional help if that negativity, melancholy turns into depression. Yeah. So sometimes we need to talk to our spiritual advisor, our rabbi, our our minister, our chaplain, uh, our spouse, a close friend. If 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 the stress is so high that it's it's taking us from normal stress to actual depression. Well, that's so sort of I encourage to people. Step five, right? Get support and reduce stress. Get support and reduce stress however you defined it. And we've yeah. talked a, a lot about the importance of proper sleep, proper nutrition, proper spiritual, mental, and emotional support, and putting positive things into our mind, body, and spirit, but also reducing stress. And if that still doesn't help, then perhaps reaching out to 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 someone that we trust and respect that can help us in different ways. Yeah. You mentioned uh, mindfulness is a great way to reduce stress. What is mindfulness and where can we go to learn more about this technique? Mindfulness is being present, slowing down the mind, and incorporating some sort of meditational practice oh, in the morning, either in bed or outside of bed or in a relaxing spot before you have your coffee, before you wake up the kids. And it can be as simple as five to ten minutes of simple calming of the mind and setting the stage and the emotional trajectory of your being for that day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, if you have a purpose and for the day. And if you Google motivational mindfulness or mindfulness, there is so much great data that can really drill down to it in far greater uh, detail than we have time for yeah. here today. But it's, yeah. it's, it's starting the day before you start the day with the right the right focus, to be positive, to be relaxed. And then if you have a stressful event or events, taking a step back. I like the, the quote, restraint of pen and tongue and action. Before we engage in that in event, take a step back, count to 60, and think and take a walk around the block. And I think if we do those things, Roy, you know, the we look at um, believing in ourselves, getting outside of ourselves, going elsewhere, yeah. either job, looking to our daily habits of exercise, yeah. nutrition, re-energizing, refueling, identifying the positive and negative, trying to reduce that stress, and seeking out positive people in our lives. I think at middle age... We've got a lot of living left. Yeah, that's amen. Well, you're one of America's most sought-after consultants, lecturers, trainers, and motivational speakers. Where should we go to learn more about you and to arrange, say, if they wanted you to speak or uh, to take advantage of resources? Do you have a website or a work? I sure do. It's www.dougdvorak.com, so D-O-U-G. D-V-O-R-A-K dot com, Doug dot com, or give me a call at 847-359-6969. I'd love to talk to any of your listeners. You can go to my website and sign up for our free monthly newsletter on motivation. Oh, great. And, Roy, it's been a high honor and privilege to 
meet you and your listeners and have a great rest of the summer and God bless America. Well, thank you so much. In conclusion, if you've got 20 minutes and would like to treat yourself to a positive experience this very day, go to Doug Dvorak's website, DougDvorak.com, and play Doug's recorded keynote speech he gave to leaders at Cisco Systems. And like me, you'll be very inspired by what you hear. And once we stop concentrating on what's wrong with life, start focusing on helping others with humor and understanding, we too can accomplish a positive, wonderful midlife transformation. And thank you so much, Doug Dvorak, for your five steps to a brighter tomorrow. Thank you, Roy. It's been a high honor and pleasure. We'll talk soon. Well, about a year ago on our program, I introduced you to a remarkable lady, Dr. Frieda Birnbaum, an author with a thriving psychotherapy practice in Saddle River, New Jersey. And as you may recall, at age 60, she gave birth to twin boys, Josh and Jarrett, a new mother of twins at an age when most ladies are ready to retire and perhaps spend at most a few hours a week with their grandkids before they send them home to the kids' mom and dad. And that's uh, seven years after bringing her older son, Ari, into the world at age 53. And she's still going strong today. And she's here to tell us how she does it and how, like her, you and I can remain fully engaged in life and reinvent ourselves at any age. And Dr. Frieda Birnbaum, Ph.D., is a respected research psychologist and media analyst called upon for her great insight into social and familial issues. She specializes in counseling midlife women who seek to expand career options while preserving and strengthening their marriages and family relationships. And she's author of two outstanding books. The one we'll talk about today, Life Begins at 60, A New View of Motherhood, Marriage, and Reinventing Ourselves. And hello, Dr. Frieda, and welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. My pleasure, and uh, it's always fun to talk to you. Yeah. Well, I'd like to begin with the obvious question. At your age, how in the heck do you find the time and energy to parent twin 10-year-old boys plus a teenager, carry on your psychotherapy practice, conduct a daily podcast, and promote your power at any age cause? Can you share with us a few of your uh, fountain of youth secrets? Well, you know, uh, is this uh, is this too loud for you? I put on the speaker. Does that work for you? No, it, it sounds fine. Well, you know, life is a gift at any age, and uh, we have to fill it. And if we don't, uh, there's something uh, missing. So we have this time, and we can make some kind of a difference with that time. We have yeah. a choice of what to do, and we're fortunate uh, that we can fill it in ways that make a difference. So if you feel you can be productive, if you, there's something that you want to do, that's significant to you. It could be joyful. Uh, it doesn't even have to be uh, making money. It's how yeah. you fill your days up uh, with meaning. And that yeah, and that's having objectives for the day and uh, having something positive to do rather than just sit around and mope and feel unfortunate that, say, you're not in the job exactly how you'd want to be or you're not making as much money as you want or whatever it is. <laughs> That's right. It's it's not about that at all. Uh, it's about having meaning and, and purpose uh, to yeah. yourself. So at the end of the day, you feel that the day uh, was yours and that you were in charge 
and yeah. that when you get up in the morning, you're looking forward uh, to that day because it has substance to it, and that's what it's all about, identifying with your activities and connecting with who you are always and being yeah. true to yourself uh, because what happens if you're a victim, nobody can do anything for you anyway. Yeah. You have to take that uh, victimization away and oh, look yeah. at it in a way as if there are answers, there is happiness, uh, there is uh, a way of connecting to other people uh, that's purposeful as well. And even helping others uh, can bring much more meaning to your own life. Yeah, I don't think that there are many, quote, victims in life that accomplish very much or are very happy with themselves because that just isn't a, a No, no one can tell you what happiness. It, no, nobody. And the more you look to other people, uh, the more you're escaping yourself because uh, you're blaming it on others and you're yeah. blaming it on the environment, you're blaming it on uh, what somebody said to you, uh, that day or your whole life or what happened to you. When it's you a rather were... pointless exercise, isn't it, finding who to blame? <laughs> yeah, you find somebody else, it's their fault, and you don't have to be responsible. Uh, but guess what? Nothing happens. You're the same, uh, and you're doing this your whole life. So you have to go back, backtrack and say that, all right, I don't need uh, to be empty. How do I fill myself up? And the more energy you use, uh, the more natural it is. Did you ever find that if you sat down, you didn't do anything, you were more tired than if you were really doing something that was full of energy, uh, something that was physical? And so in life, you need to be able to have that inertia and when you get up in the morning, what is it? What is your game plan? Uh, do you have something to look forward to? That's extremely you know, you important. Make, I, I was thinking of uh, New Year's Day when I used to sit around and watch football games for hours, how tired I'd be <laughs> because I wasn't really yeah. accomplishing anything, just but sitting back. <laughs> you have to be proactive, and yeah. it doesn't, as I said, it's something that's going to make you feel good. It doesn't have to be a joyful experience. Uh, you don't have to be laughing all day and yeah. having fun all day, but what makes a difference to your day, uh, that's what is going to be the most positive and most effective way to go on with your life because people often look back and they have many, many regrets when yeah. they see that they didn't take hold. And it's not of who's telling you what to do, but who you are and what it is that you need to do that when you do look back, you'll see that you did all the right things, and that's the way to go. And that's why I'm able to do all these things, because I choose and I pick in my life what is a fit for me every day, and I put a lot of activities into my life. But at the end of the day, I cho I, I'm the one that was in charge. With what yeah, there's no that's better CEO of you than you. <laughs> right? That's so right, and you know that. I mean, you sound as if... Uh, you're enjoying what you're doing. Am I right? Do you enjoy your work? Oh, yeah, definitely. I can tell. So it's a, you're natural at it, and you're, a lot of people have difficulty finding what it is that's the right fit, and that's the hardest part. So if you remember yourself when you were younger, 
What was it that brought you a feeling of contentment? Uh, who are the people in your life that you feel good about and that you want to be with? Who are you giving to uh, that you're feeling that you're stepping up in a way to help other people as well? All these things. And that's uh, such a key ingredient to feeling good about yourself is who am I helping? You know, you're never really going to feel that much accomplishment if everything's that, uh, just about you <laughs> rather than somebody else. Research has shown that when you're giving, you feel better than when you're not giving. Yeah. That even your heart uh, is, uh, beats differently. So yes, it's it's a blessing to be able to do that without thinking about what you're getting back. And those really, if you're talking about contentment and happiness, those are really the happiest people. So you're talking about myself and uh, the, what my days are all about. Uh, that's what it's about. It's not about me. It's not about what do I need. Uh, it's not about centering around making sure that I get my needs met, because first of all, that would be very boring. Yeah, and then sure I, would. How much? How much can you think about yourself anyway? Yeah. Uh, and but but then you find out about uh, other people. You learn about life. You get energy by seeing that everybody else has things that they need to work through and that you don't, you're not isolated. So all that, that's what creates um, interest, very similar to you when you're yeah. interviewing other people. That's what makes life interesting yeah. when you're learning all the time and evolving all the time. That's what brings life a passion. If you have a passion for life, then you're blessed because yeah. you're constantly changing, you're constantly growing. Otherwise, two years can feel like, 20 years or vice versa. Yeah, it's that, not that's so true in retirement. Is, uh, the question yeah. is whether a person continues to uh, grow and develop and uh, Have expand their horizons or whether they just sit back and, uh, you know, say, well, I'm retired now and I, <laughs> I just sit retirement around. has taken on a new meaning. Our retirement has taken on reinventing yourself. Uh, people yeah. are not necessarily not doing anything. They're often going back to doing things that they like. Yeah. Uh, even uh, middle age, I've always said, needs to be changed into peak age because yeah. we're really at our best at that time we're, with the wisdom and uh, hopefully not physically falling, falling apart yet. So all these words are, have different meanings to them today. Uh, even being a grandmother is no longer a woman sitting in a rocking chair. No. It's somebody who's exercising and traveling yeah. um, and having a life. I have people that come in to see me, uh, they're ageless. It doesn't matter what age they are because they're doing and they're um, in, uh, finding a place for themselves where they can keep growing. And yeah. that's much more important uh, than the word retirement because it, it, it gives you a picture of somebody who is no longer part of the scene. Yeah. No longer productive. That's so no longer we always say you may retire from your uh, primary vocation, but you're not retiring from life. <laughs> That's right. And so uh, when you are finding a second career, uh, it, life is reinventing yourself again. And it, life is a dress rehearsal. If you don't do it right the first time around, you can do it right later on because we're yeah. living longer, younger. 
I love mean, that thought. You can do it if you're not not right the first time around. You can do it again yeah, rather than, oh, I should have done this and I didn't, so my life is uh, basically over now. <laughs> you want to be an artist or you want to uh, go into a, a field of helping people or whatever it is that you wanted to do. I remember my son used to say to me, when I retire, I'd like to have a house by the water and be able to paint. So I said to him, why don't you do that now? Why are you waiting for later <laughs> yeah, that's to be able such a to good integrate? You know, yeah, there's so many people that say, when something or other happens, when I retire, when my kids are grown, when this or that, I'll do such and such. And so often the dream gets postponed again and again and really never takes place. It never takes place. There's never a right time. There's never a perfect time uh, for anything. And not only that, if you keep waiting, it gets more complicated. There's more interferences, uh, not less. Yeah, there's always something new comes up. Well, in your book, Life Begins at 60, you contend that as long as we refuse to fear age, it will only get better and better from here. But first of all, how can we refuse to fear age? At some point, so many of us at middle age start to feel like it's all downhill from here, and as we grow older, it only seems natural to fear loss of energy, decline in physical appearance and mental capacity, ill health, death of loved ones, and ultimately life in a nursing home, and when we think about our future, isn't it only natural to be afraid? No, because when you look back at your age and you felt you were old, you see that you weren't really that old. Yeah. So when you're, <laughs> it's uh, all uh, relative, isn't it? <laughs> Once we turned 50, so we 40 didn't 50. seem so old. <laughs> oh, 50, uh, when I was 50, I felt I was at my prime. Yeah. And uh, I would look back now and I see that I was, and I, yeah. I wasn't old at all. So you have to remember that when you look back. So instead of fearing uh, getting older, you're wasting the years of your life. You're taking away from the quality of your life. You should be excited. When yeah. I turned 60, I was more excited about life than ever. I oh, felt I had great. more to give than ever, and yeah. I didn't expect it. So I wrote the book to let people know yeah. that, you can start all over again. Yeah. Well, in part two of your book is titled Life Begins at Any Age, My New Views. Can you please offer a few suggestions on steps those of us at middle age and beyond might take to get off neutral and begin life anew? I, I like those some of those chapter titles you have there. That uh, Maybe you can give a couple suggestions. Well, the the most important thing is to know that you are who you've always been. Yeah. So the essence of who you are is there, yeah, and that's, that's the good point you need to address. It's not to put yourself into a place where society tells you who you're supposed to be, <laughs> how you I like it. when you say throw normal out the window. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> or what society normal. says is normal. <laughs> yeah, who cares? I mean, it's how you represent to society than yeah. how society uh, represents you, because we're changing at such a fast rate that they haven't caught up with who you're supposed to be. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, part three of your book is titled 60 Things I've Learned After 60, and we obviously don't have time for all 60. Uh, but for those presently under age 60, can you please give us a preview of a, a couple of life lessons that lie ahead? <laughs> well, what's wonderful is that you're the authority. There's no one else telling you what to do. Yeah. Or you won't allow that to happen anymore. So it's their turn or someone else's turn. That's out the window as well. It's your yeah. turn 
and it's your turn to make the decisions, and you're no longer looking for approval. Uh, you're not waiting and you're worrying about the image that you're presenting to other people because it doesn't matter to you. Yeah, so you're really free. A lot of, of a lot of the vices you had uh, when you were younger, and you're now you're not stuck anymore, yeah. and you're also more liberal with other people's judgments because you're more liberal with yourself. So it's a wonderful time. Oh, yeah, that's that's so great. Well, let's talk a bit about your latest book, Life Begins at 60, A New View on Motherhood, Marriage, and Reinventing Ourselves. If there were one message you'd like readers to take away from your book, what would it be? I guess that's pretty straightforward, but uh, why don't you tell us? I think the biggest message that you should have in life is when you are focused and when you have the feeling instinctually in the beginning, that's what you should stay with because otherwise you can keep changing your mind and getting more confused than ever. So always grasp, grasp the first moment, the first feeling that you have and your own incentive, and from there you can really fly. You can really get all your needs met when you are very, very into listening to yourself and don't ask other people what they think, because the minute you do, you lose that essence of who you are. Yeah, I, I'm sure you didn't listen to too many people that uh, criticized no. you for having those children at age 60. <laughs> I didn't listen to people when I had a career, and women at that time didn't have careers. Yeah. When I wanted equality in my marriage, I didn't listen to people. I went ahead and I demanded what I felt was the right thing to do. So there's always something that I was doing that was out of the box, but I'm so happy that I did those things. Yeah. Well, is your book written strictly for the ladies, or can we men also benefit from reading it? (laughs) Well, men, if you want a relationship, you better look at that book because (laughs) it's going to help you to understand what women need today. Well, certainly we can't be mothers, but we can certainly reinvent ourselves as men. (laughs) Yes, and not only that, there's nothing wrong with being nurturers and uh, putting some of the responsibility on women because women want to have that uh, ability to make decisions and to have someone in their lives that they can have a contemporary to talk to about what's going on with them uh, as well. So it's a back and forth. It's a, a switching of partnerships that's very healthy to have uh, assertiveness and to have nurturing uh, play back into each of your roles equally. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm sure your husband uh, must have bought into those those children at 60. Well, guess what? It was his idea. People are shocked that they think that it was me. Uh Uh-uh. No way. Maybe I'll have to talk to my wife about having another kid. <laughs> better, better hurry up. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, where best should we go to preview and purchase your book? Uh, my book uh, is uh, Barnes & Noble, and oh. it's on Amazon.com. Oh, I see. And uh, do you have a website where we can learn more about yeah. you and your books and your podcasts? And the Sure. It's drfrida.com. D-R, right? D-R-F-R-I-D-A. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, well, to conclude, obviously, Dr. Frieda Birnbaum is one in a million. You ladies out there are highly unlikely to aspire having a baby at age 60 and then going through with it. But having said that, her story most definitely is an inspiration to all of us at middle age and beyond. No, at age 40 or 50, the best years of your life definitely are not necessarily all behind us. And forget the normal, abandon once and for all what critics and society tells us we can't accomplish because of our age. And when we retire from our primary vocation, by no means does this mean we should retire from an active lifestyle and from reinventing ourselves uh, full of dreams and aspirations. And by no means are you locked into a long-term job or relationship that isn't working for you simply because you're, quote, too old to quit. And as Dr. Frieda puts it, as long as you refuse to fear age, then it will only get better and better from here. And Dr. Frieda Birnbaum's message is right in line with our OPENS formula, O-P-E-N-S, for midlife renewal. And the O is for an optimistic outlook on today, tomorrow, and the future. And we can't influence every little thing that happens around us, but relying on a higher power and ourselves, we and we alone can control our reaction and our confidence and outlook on the future. And for inspiration, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Dr. Frieda Birnbaum's book, Life Begins at 60. But don't wait if you're younger than 60. Life can begin at whatever age you are right now. Now let's all go out and jumpstart our, uh, reinvent our lives if we're not uh, satisfied with where we are today. And thank you so much, Dr. Frieda Birnbaum. Best of success in getting your message across. My pleasure, and just I hope that your listeners say that today is something that they can change if they need to, to go ahead and you can reassess and reinvent and you can continue that the rest of your life. And there's no reason why, if you make wrong decisions, you can't make the right decisions for yourself as well. Well, that sort of sums it up, and uh, that's our program today on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 